Welcome to Metaphysical Soul Speak. I'm your host, Elena Fox-Starks. Hey guys. So today was a weird, unique, fun day. (laughs) It seems like they're all weird lately. I haven't had a normal day in a couple years. (laughs) Maybe three years ago. Before I realized the ascension and the fifth dimension and all that was happening. That's when I had just boring days that were normal. (laughs) I mean, I've been on the Ascension path since 1987, but as far as believing it's real, knowing the fifth dimension is real, knowing for a fact our DNA is restranding itself and we're moving up. I've only known it for a couple years. And today... I got a message from a good friend of mine's um, uh, God ex-girlfriend from almost 15 years ago and I had heard about her but I didn't know her and she's a light worker and she's a healer and she's like yeah you know I just my DNA just reconnected recently and like she's just brand new to this stuff and she's like oh yeah I want to send you the name of um, this healer that I listened to His name is Francisco. I'm like, oh my God, another Francis. Hilarious, right? Because you guys know, like a week ago, I was just saying all this stuff, you know, in my Francis show. And then I played the thing with my son, the interview with my son. And I, I totally forgot that he was talking about Francis too. So anyway... So that was funny tonight, you know, just to hear there's like one more Francis thing. And and then I started thinking, you know, it's funny because when I did the Francis show, I sent it to my girlfriend whose real name, she was born with her, her name was Francis and she changed it later. And um, she was born on the same day as Princess Di, whose name was Diane Francis, Diana Francis. So... That was weird. And then um, I had gone out to the store today, and when I came home, I had bought this uh, nail polish. It was very pretty, kind of a pale pink, very kind of an upscale sort of color. And I don't really uh, do the girly-girly stuff often, you know, because I'm single and I don't really think about it. But I thought, you know, maybe I'll do that. (laughs) Some of that female, feminine, stereotypical upkeep that (laughs) women sometimes do. Anyway, I bought this really beautiful color and it was unique. And as far as the whole, all the colors in the store of nail polish to buy, this is the only one of its kind, the only bottle I get at home. And the color is called 
Rosa Francis, <laughs> French Rose. And I'm like, oh my God. So the Francis journey continues. I, I don't know if there's another show I need to do about St. Francis or there's another Francis or I think my twin has something to do with France, which I mentioned a couple times. So maybe it's just a sign, another sign for the universe. So thank you, universe. <laughs> Woke up this morning <clears throat> feeling like I was way the hell up there, like ninth dimension again when I was asleep. The sun came through my sun blocking curtains. The sun has now been able to wake me up and suddenly my sun blocking curtains don't block the sun. They don't block the light anymore. <laughs> I don't know if that's because I did the meditation with the sun and now it just comes right on through my curtains. They're very thick and very, very dark indigo purple. I don't know. I don't know. It's all uh, interesting, but it's a nice way to wake up, have the sun wake you up like that. And... I felt like so high in vibe and I felt floaty and strange all day. Like uh, my Merkaba is activating and I'm lifting up a little bit here and there. Like <laughs> I feel like I'm literally lifting up whether I'm like laying down or if I'm sitting down or if I'm standing up, even while I was walking, I kind of felt like I was a little bit floating today. Um, even though I wasn't, it was just that, that feeling and it was so weird, but, um, the 19th is coming up quick. We're going to have a full moon in Virgo. I look forward to that. I'm a Virgo. So I have no idea what that's going to mean totally, you know, for all of us. But I know it's some kind of a portal. I don't know. That's what Amber White is saying, that the portal, this Ascension portal is closing on the 19th. And then another one's going to open up. And we're. I know we're going to have something... March 21st, I believe, is the date that, um, not that I was personally given, but that other people have been saying. They think that that's a huge date, kind of like the end of, um, you know, people that are going to wake up by then. Everyone should be wake waking up that will wake up. I don't know. We'll see. You know, this thing has been going on for a freaking long time, and I was thinking that, you know, 1987 is when I started my ascension journey. I didn't know it was an ascension journey at the time, but I knew that I started my spiritual journey. Um, even though my whole life I've been very deeply spiritual and I've had a lot of connections and I've had past life memories since I was like really little, like to age two to three. Um, I'm going to talk about that today because it is a Reverend Marion Jones night, Grandma Marion uh, <laughs> night, story night. It's Saturday, so I am going to talk about that, <clears throat> but I don't know. I mean, I've been awake or awakening since I was 18 years old. I'm 50, as you all know, so I like about 33 years, give or take a couple months. And uh, 
I don't know. I mean, I just, I think that we all decided when we're going to wake up before we got here. So some people like my new friend, she just started to wake up like in the past year. So I can't imagine like my 33 year journey happening in, a, in the span of a year. That's freaking brave. <laughs> That was like super brave. And there's a lot of people that are in that boat the other day. No, this morning I read someone who said that like a week ago they had a spiritual awakening and they started looking online and getting all these answers and they're like freaking out. They're like, oh my God, oh my God, all this stuff is happening. And they just started to wake up one week ago. Oh my God, I can't. I, my heart goes out to people who decided to do this late and, and have it all happen at once. But everyone has a different journey <clears throat> and we all go at our own pace. You know, when you become a new parent, you know, you're always scared, you know, is my kid going to walk on time and talk on time? And, you know, and you go to the doctor and you're always scared and panicky that maybe, you know, your kid is a little slow or, you know, something and the doctor always says, no, every kid goes at their own pace. Don't worry about it. You know, and I remember my, my oldest didn't get uh, teeth until she was like 16 months. You know, I mean, I took her to the doctor. I'm like, she is going to get teeth, right? (laughs) And he's like, don't worry. I haven't met a kid yet who hasn't gotten teeth. (laughs) So... Yeah, and by the way, my my uh, this I'm not going to say her name yet because I don't know her well enough to uh, say her name and I don't want to embarrass her or whatever. But she also was living in paradise and just her house burned down and she had to move. And I know her through my other friend who his house did not burn down, but the whole town burned down, and so they might as well move anyway. So they moved. Everyone's life is shaking up, being shook up. And I have noticed another thing recently is that new people, new and cool people have started to come into my life like Mason Adams last week. Um, So Mason, if you're listening, hey, buddy, you know, I'm, I'm happy that I'm meeting the coolest people suddenly. The Lightworker tribe, the Soul tribe, we're all coming together and I'm so I'm so grateful because as you all know, those of you who are still completely alone in this, you're not really alone. You just are alone right this moment. Give it a week or two or a month and we're all going to start to come together as a group and we're, you know, we're the awakened ones. We're the awakening ones. So don't panic and don't worry. Because, I mean, I've been doing this for years and years and years. I mean, after my husband and I divorced and then he died. I mean, I, I mean, after we divorced, I was thinking, well, at least I could call him when I have spiritual stuff to talk about because no one else understands us. And he was very spiritual. But um, then when he died, I'm like, ah, who am I going to talk to about this stuff? Because it's just, it, it, it's just so much sometimes. I remember that I had read so many books, so many books. And I would like go to Barnes and Noble and I'd walk into the little tiny new age section. I'd be like, read it, read it, have it, have it, uh, heard about it, researched it, haven't read it yet. Have it, have it, don't have it, don't want it, 
yeah, those I don't want, you know, but it was like 90% of the books I had read or owned already. And it was just like such a sinking feeling like, you know, you, you, you're so thirsty for knowledge and you rise to the top rapidly because you can't stop buying books and reading and researching. And then there comes this lull and it's like nobody knows anything new and I don't know crap you know <laughs> now what am I going to read you expect me to go back to fiction after reading all these spiritual books <laughs> so I don't know I mean I've been pleasantly surprised over the past two years uh, all of the um, brand new information that's coming out the channelers and the light workers and the healers and the shamans and the teachers and the gurus and all the people that suddenly are coming forward going so guess what I awoke and I'm in the fifth dimension I've been here for a few years so I'm going to tell you all about it or <laughs> I'm on my process too and I quit drinking or I stopped smoking weed or I you know stopped eating meat and now I, I ascend you know I'm ascending blah 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 so like all these people suddenly out of nowhere are going through we're all collectively massively going through this huge change together but it's ever new every day is a whole new day a whole new journey and I'm so grateful for that I don't know about about you guys but for me it's like every day something new happens and I'm like <laughs> I took a picture today and put it up on Twitter of well the sunset but what's weird is that's not where the sun sets so why does it look like the sun is setting in my picture um, it also looks like these clouds are in the shape of like a um, a nuclear bomb has gone off and they're just clouds, but they look like a nuclear bomb has gone off. And also possibly like they're hiding a massive mothership UFO. So if you want to go to my Twitter feed and check it out, it's Mermaid Girl 888 And it's just a trip. I, I started using hashtags so that light tribe people, soul tribe can find each other. So ones I've been using are... Hashtag 5D, hashtag spelled out um, fifth dimension, um, hashtag soul tribe, hashtag ascension, hashtag the event. So I was thinking that might be a way that we can all uh, come together and get to know each other as uh, friends. Because I know in heaven we all know each other and we get here and we're like, oh, who the hell are you again? And it's like, you're probably saying that to your very best friend, but you have no idea because you don't remember because even though the veils are thinning between the worlds, we don't, we still don't remember everybody yet. And I mean, I think, can you imagine like the day that we wake up one day and we literally recognize every single human being around us because we remember being in heaven and we remember seeing every single person. I mean, I started thinking about that today too. What a trip that's going to be, right? <laughs> I'm sure that day is coming because it's true. We all do know each other when we're living in the seventh dimension on the other side in heaven. Now that's the ninth dimension because heaven has moved because we're moving. We're all in the process of moving as above. So below as below. So above. 
So when I come back, <laughs> I am going to talk about Grandma Marion and a past life that she and I lived together over 2,000 years ago. So I'm going to start from my journey of remembering that and how, you know, how I broached the subject with her and just, I'm going to go through it. It's an interesting past life story. It's a story involving Grandma Marion and I'm going to tell it to you after these messages or right now it's just one message. I only have one sponsor. (laughs) So hashtag tell your friends. I've made a dollar twenty-five so far with this podcast, so please, I can't get sponsors until I'm. I have a few thousand people looking at this every day, listening to my podcast. So, anyone you know who is spiritual, please, please, please tell them, so that I could make a living at this from the sponsors, uh, you know, the advertisers, because um, I, I am going to need something. <laughs> until we all have our uh, basic income coming in and until um, the Pleiadians and Arcturians come and help us directly. I'm going to need to eat, man. (laughs) Got to keep it going. So please tell your friends about this and send me a message if you want at anchor.fm forward slash metaphysical. If you download the Anchor app, you can uh, message me directly. Maybe be a part of the show if you are also a light worker or a healer and have something cool and interesting to say or something you'd like to talk about. So anyway, I'll be right back after this. guys I'm back I'm gonna just get right into this because I've been wanting to tell you guys this for about a month (laughs) so when I was I I'm gonna have to say two to three years old I started having these recurring nightmares and the nightmares were so bad that I was Waking up in the middle of the night, every night, screaming and crying and screaming and and kicking my feet and kicking my blanket, you know, kicking my blankets off and and um, completely terrorized. And it was trauma, serious trauma, night terrors. The psychologist called it. Yeah, my parents were so scared that they took me to a psychologist. And the psychologist said, well, you have to make sure that she talks it out. Now, (laughs) we're talking like 1970, 1971. Um, No one really thought about reincarnation. No one's considered past lives. They just thought, oh, maybe it's from a TV show or 
a movie or some scary image and that gets embedded in the subconscious mind and that must be what's going on. Well, my mom would encourage me to talk about it and then tell me it's okay. I'm here now. Don't worry. You know, you're here. You're awake. Nothing's happening. You're fine. So this happened night after night after night after night. I mean, for a long time, like months, this went on. And one one morning when the sun was coming, the light was shining through my bedroom window. And I lived in a a house, I'd have to say it was probably built, I think around the the first uh, stock market crash, like 1929 or something. It was a very old house. And I lived in um, a neighborhood in Van Nuys, California. I lived across the street from Van Nuys High School. And I've met two people in two countries that attended that high school when I lived in that house across the street. I mean, talk about everything being a small world. I mean, one person from Guatemala, one person from Peru. In the past six years, I met these two men. They're the same age. And in 1972, they were both in high school when I was living across the street. And they're both obviously older than me. I was just a little kid and they were, so they're both like about 12 to 15 years older than me. But I don't know, there's just something magical about that neighborhood when I was a kid. And I remember the way the sun would shine. There's something about the sun and there's something very powerful about my memories from back then. In the afternoon, the dappled light coming through the trees and the trees were so green and the sunlight was so yellow. Remember, I told you about this the other day and (laughs) the sun, our soul, or brother. (laughs) You know, like back in Los Angeles when the skies were brown, the sun was super yellow, (laughs) super orange. So there's something special, though, magical about the light and about the memories I have from that time. And I used to sit out on my porch. I was an only child for a very long time, you know, until I was 12. So I would sit when I was really little. I'd just sit and my mom would put on, um, God, there's this album that she bought me for Christmas. And I had to hear the song, Que Sera, Sera, What Will Be, Will Be. The future's not ours to see. Well, I thought she was awfully judgmental because, yes, indeed, the future is ours to see, and so is the past, and I could see both the future and the past. But even still, I had to hear the song over and over and over again because I liked the fact that it was not in English, and I was always interested in other languages, and I even had a doll a couple years after that that had a... um, It sang... (laughs) <laughs> it was a Coca-Cola song, jingle, but it sang it in like 10 different languages or something. Maybe it's only five languages, but when you're, a ki- when you're a kid, everything is so much grander, you know. But I'm like, my doll sings in Spanish, it sings in French, it sings in Italian. <laughs> I think it was singing in Russian. I mean, <laughs> you know, so I was always interested in other languages, and I would sit on the porch and wonder about these worlds in which other languages existed and when I went to Disneyland it's a small world is my favorite ride and it's a ride where you go through 
like the whole world in like 20 minutes, you know, and as you're going through the ride, every little part of it has a different language singing the same song. And there's just something about the music and the melody being the same, but the words being in different languages. And it always made me feel like there's this unified feel. There's this unity that we all share. We are all in the same boat together, literally. And we're all connected. And I always knew that, you know, I always had that deep, powerful sense that not only are all humans connected, humans and animals are connected. Humans and insects are connected. And my mom, and this is hilarious. My mom knew that because I was adopted, she knew that I was part native American because my mom had told um, the doctor that delivered me to make sure my my adopted parents would know that I am to be raised with as much Native American knowledge as possible. Well, my mom had no knowledge whatsoever of Native American ways, but she looked up some stuff in the library because no one had a computer or internet back then. So she had to actually go to a library and she realized that, um, you know, Native Americans feel that everything is connected. Well, I had this intrinsic part of me. I knew, you know, not just thought, but, or had a belief system of, but I knew, I felt that connection to everything. And what's hilarious about this is that my mom who gave me away for, who adopted me out, my birth mother, her dad was raised on the Cherokee lands and my mom who adopted me her dad lived on the cherokee lands until he was maybe 12 years old and then they moved to california so his parents were um his mom and both my grandfather's mothers my adopted and birth both of their mothers are cherokee full blood (laughs) but the father's were Irish. So it was almost like the family that gave me up, gave me up to an identical family. So even though my mom said she didn't know anything about native stuff, she found out later in life that she's Cherokee and she goes, Oh, isn't that funny? I always felt like a a connection to the Cherokee people, but I never knew why. (laughs) I'm like, why didn't you ask your dad? (laughs) so strange so I always knew that there was a connection and so naturally when I had the past life memories I knew that they were real and every day I would have this dream that I'm in the desert and there's little tiny bushes or trees kind of off in the distance and my cousin And I were kind of in a pit, like a sand pit, and we couldn't get out. And there were extremely bad men. And they were shaking bags of snakes and dumping the snakes out. And the snakes were like cobras and very deadly snakes in, I think, black mamba, or I don't know, it was like three or four different kinds of snakes. And they're all jumbled up in a bag together and they would shake them and they were in like these burlap bags and they would shake them and then they would dump them out. 
and they put the snakes between my cousin and I and I couldn't get to her and she couldn't get to me and we were both bit and every single time I had this recurring nightmare when I was like between two and three maybe up until the age of four every time I had this nightmare two more moles like snake fangs would show up on my legs now if you see my legs you would be like oh my god you were bit like a hundred times or more because I have these teeny tiny moles and I noticed um after my uh my husband who passed he had read uh Ian Stevenson's book Reincarnation and Biology and it's like a 2000 it's like 2000 pages long and it's scientific evidence beyond a shadow of a doubt that past lives are real reincarnation is real and that when we have a past life memory it shows up as a birthmark on our body or a mole on our body so every time I have this memory boom two more moles until my legs were covered in mole. I mean, not covered, but I mean, I have a lot of moles in my legs, little teeny tiny moles, but they're snake fangs. You know, it's just every time I got bit by a snake in my dream, boom, there's two more moles on my legs <laughs> and on my arms also, cause I got bit a lot. And my mom would run in and what's wrong, what's wrong, tell me about it. I'm like, well, my, my cousin died. My cousin died. I don't know who it was, but I know it was my cousin. And she died and I couldn't get to her and she couldn't get to me and the snakes were in between us and we were trying to save each other's lives and we died. My mom's like, well, what were you doing with snakes? I'm like, well, we were in the desert and the bad men threw us. We were on these uh, beautiful white horses, but the men tied us up with rope and they had us on the back of these horses and they threw us in this pit and shook up a bag of snakes because they hated us and we don't know why they hated us but they hated us and and my mom's like well why what were you doing because she's trying to get it out of me so that I don't have the nightmare anymore thinking I'm making up this elaborate story <laughs> and I'm like well we were nuns before nuns existed like you know before we were nuns before there were nuns and she's like, really? That's weird. I'm like, yeah, I was a nun, but there was no church yet. There was no nuns yet, but I was a nun. <laughs> so she's like, all right, okay, well, that sounds good. You were a good person then. And I'm like, yeah. And she didn't believe in reincarnation. She didn't know what the hell I was talking about, you know? Nuns before, you know, so it's like snakes and nuns and, you know, maybe because I watched a Disney special and there was a snake in it, you know, I mean, that's what she was thinking. And I'm like, no, mom, you don't understand. I died. My cousin died. And she's like, well, you didn't die. You're right here. And I go, I know I'm right here now. When I died, I was an adult. Now I'm a kid. Don't you get it? Like, I was so frustrated, like trying to explain reincarnation when you're three years old to your parent that has no clue what's happening and later years later she then understood and she's like oh my god I can't believe that was your past life that's terrible I'm like yeah it is but that's just how I died you know everyone has to die somehow you know <laughs> so fast forward to uh, you know adulthood I suppose and when I was 
maybe about 17, I started having recurring snake dreams again. Oh my God. But this time it'd be like I'm running through a field and I fall and there's a snake there. And it's not really doing much, but it's just there. And then when my spiritual awakening started to happen when I was 18 and I moved to California and I was, you know, trying to remember my past lives and I was trying to be very actively uh, or proactive about remembering, I started having these recurring dreams over and over and over again about snakes. So as I'm, you know, dreaming, there was uh, one time where I'm running through the field, I fall in this tall grass and I hear it, but I don't see it. And then as I'm standing up, I see the snake and it, and then in every progressive dream, the snake would get closer. So it's almost like that monster's getting closer. It was like scary, nightmarish stuff. And then one day I fell and when I stood up, I had this enormous black snake wrapped around my neck and hanging all the way down to my feet. It was that big, very thick, huge snake. And I said, and I was really scared and really nervous, but I owned it in that moment. And I said, oh, you don't be a silly. What are you doing? I love you, but get off me. And I put the snake on the ground and I started running away from it. And it was the first time I took back some of my own personal power. And snakes mean uh, kundalini, but possibly snakes are here to teach me a lesson in this life. Um. I have a lot of karma with snakes. So, um, basically (laughs) I would get snips and bits and pieces of that dream when I was, when I was little, but I still didn't understand what was happening. And then I started having dreams in which I'm in the jungle and I am now astral projected and flying over a snake that's a hundred feet long, an enormous brown and red snake with a diamond pattern and I have had that recurring dream and it's not a nightmare it's a dream and I've had that uh, for on and off for years and years and years until I went to the actual jungle and held an actual anaconda who was as big as the snake in the dream where it was hanging down to my feet and even on my Facebook I think I have a picture of me holding that snake and I said, I'm going to meditate and I'm going to find out. And, and, and right when I, before the day, the day before I met this snake, um, the snake came to me in my dream and I was starting to fall asleep. And here comes the snake all the way up. And it felt so real. It was laying on top of me and its head was as big as my head. And it was staring at me. And I, I was scared to open my eyes. I thought, holy crap, there's, I'm in the jungle. <laughs> there's in my hotel room, there's a freaking snake on me. God, what am I going to do? Oh my God, what am I going to do? Like I started to panic, open my eyes and there's nothing there, but it felt so real. The energy was so powerful. And I'd already had my Kundalini awoken and it did feel like a snake. And I'm going to do a Kundalini show because it's time. I think it's okay to release information for years. I was, we weren't, you know, as when you're part of mystery school and then this happens, you're not allowed to talk about it, but we're all in ascension now and it's all happening to everybody. So I think my experience will be able to be a benefit to others. So I will do a show on that. So anyway, so I open my eyes and there's no snake there. I'm like, what the hell? You know? So the next day I go to the jungle and there's this huge snake 
and I told the trainers, I have to have a conversation with the snake because I'm a shaman and this is what I'm going to do. I sat on the ground and I said, put the snake over there. And they put the snake like 20 feet away from me. And I, and I start talking to the snake. I said, okay, listen up. Your people have been contacting me for a very long time and I do not know why. And I would like to know why. What is it about me <laughs> that makes me so interesting that your people are consistently in my dreams since I was a baby, practically? For almost 50 freaking years, you guys have been in my dreams. And you know, that anaconda slithered over to me in the grass. And he came very close to me in his eyes locked onto my eyes and we stared into each other's eyes and there was so much love and so much respect and it was like one shaman to another and the trainer was freaking out he said I've never in my life and and he was a trainer his whole life he's like in his 40s and he said you know I grew up in the jungle and I've been an animal trainer my whole life snakes Do not make eye contact with humans ever. And I think what happened in that moment is I got snake medicine. Whatever that means. I don't know what that means. I don't hiss in my sleep. I don't shed my skin. (laughs) But whatever snake medicine is, maybe it's regenerating constantly renewing myself I don't know what it is but that anaconda gave me anaconda snake medicine from the snake people directly they called me to the jungle I live in South America now and there's something about it it's like the pulse and kundalini of the planet is inside me but since that day I have been awakening more and more and more to my healing powers. So I think it has something to do with that. So getting back to Grandma Marion, what does all this have to do with Grandma Marion? Okay, well, (laughs) this is going to be a rather snaky episode. (laughs) Oh, God. Um, So when I met my husband... In the beginning, we were dating, getting to know each other. And then, you know, eventually we divorced our spouses and moved in together. We did not have an affair, so don't be thinking that. We just fell in love madly and passionately, deeply in love. And we remembered we were in love is what it was because he was a soulmate. He's not my twin, but he was my soulmate. And, uh... We were having a conversation and I said, yeah, you know, when I was a kid, I had a recurring nightmare. We were talking about, we were in hypnotherapy school together. We were, the teacher had been talking about how to deal with kids with nightmares. How do you handle that? And if you think it's a past life, how do you handle that? And how do you handle it if the kid, if the parents don't believe in that and you're trying to help the kid? So it was like kind of the topic of, you know, that day. And I told him, you know, when I was a kid, I had this dream that I was in the desert, like in Egypt, and these really bad men shook up bags of snakes and threw them on my cousin and I and killed us. I go, in fact, look at my legs. I showed him my legs. I said, you know, this is where they bit me. 
<laughs> and he was like, oh my God, that's really weird. I wonder if that's not a common way to die because um, Reverend Marion, who's a friend of our family's since I was a kid, she has an absolutely horrible fear and hatred of snakes. She loves all of God's creatures except for snakes because when she was a little girl, she had the same recurring nightmare and she thinks that she was in a past life in Egypt and these men threw snakes on her and they bit her and killed her. And he goes, that's really weird. I wonder we should look that up because I bet that was a common way for people to die back then. <laughs> so fast forward a few years we are now living in northern california together and very very married and very very in love and he says i'm going to introduce you to mary and i think you guys are going to get a kick out of each other so years and years go by and we finally get out to arizona to kingman and we go to visit grandma marion reverend marion jones and i'm terrified to bring it up so I don't say anything and I leave and we leave for, you know, we're there for three days and I didn't say anything. I was like so embarrassed. I was like, I feel like a weirdo. I'm not going to say anything about this. And so we go back to her a couple months later and I finally, I'm like, okay, I'm going to ask you a question because it's been a mystery my whole life. I know that when I was a kid, I thought I was a nun before there were nuns and I was wearing like a white robe that went down to my ankles and I had sandals on and I felt like I was a nun before nuns existed. So somehow I was involved with, with, um, I don't know, some kind of religious or spiritual thing. And the, these bad men threw bags of snakes on me and Terrell said you had some sort of a revelation when you were also about three or four. And do you think that this was a common way for people to die in Egypt in the desert? And it was a good thing I was already sitting on the ground because A, I would have fallen on the ground with what she said next. And B, it was easier to pick my jaw up off the ground, being so close to heat <laughs> on the floor. Which she told me next blew my frickin' mind. She said, oh, thank God you remembered this. I did not want to bring it up because I didn't want to give you a fear of snakes. I have hated snakes my whole life because that has been my recurring nightmare my whole life. And she said, no, it wasn't a common way for people to die. It was how you and I died together. I was your cousin. Okay. <laughs> I go, well, who the hell were those men? And she said, well, what do you remember? I said, I remember that we were tied up with rope. We were thrown across the back of these white horses that were really beautiful, like Arabian horses. And they threw us in it like a ditch. And there was these little trees, but it was so hot. And we couldn't get to the trees for shade. And there was no water. There was nothing. And we were just trying to be nice. And we were like nuns before nuns existed or something. I don't understand, but that's my memory. But they would shake up these bags of burl, you know, burlap bags of snakes. 
and then they dumped the snakes in between us and as we tried to get to each other they pointed at us and they laughed in our faces as the snakes started repeatedly bite us and then we both died almost immediately and we couldn't get to each other we wanted to hug each other and at least die in each other's arms because we were so close and we loved each other so much and we were best friends and we were cousins we had been traveling together in Egypt when these horrible men did this to us and she just kind of looked at me in the eyes and she said so you don't remember what we were doing there I'm all no I just remember the men and the snakes and screaming and crying and trying to get to you because I wanted to save your life and I couldn't do anything she said well this is what we were doing there we knew Jesus he was our cousin and brother Yeshua would teach women as well as men and everyone was equal in his eyes and we would listen to his lectures every day and when he decided to go traveling with his men we decided to set out on our own and go traveling to spread his message of love and peace throughout the whole world and we started with Egypt and we didn't get very freaking far because these guys did not want to hear it let alone from women and we were lost in the annals of time because women weren't important for anyone to write anything about us but that's what we were we were nuns before there were nuns we were like the first women to go out to spread the words of Jesus because he was our cousin and we loved him and we believed wholeheartedly in his message and she said don't you remember hearing him lecture and I'm like I don't know I'm gonna think about it I'm gonna I'm gonna meditate and pray about it because I don't remember but I want to remember so I think and I told her I don't think he was crucified or I don't remember I wasn't there why wasn't I there well we were killed before he was crucified that's why we don't either one of us we don't remember that happening and in the Bible doesn't talk about his cousins being there they just, just talks about Mary his mother and Mary Magdalene I don't even know if Elizabeth was there and that was John the Baptist's Baptist's mom so that is uh, my grandma Marion story she said she said heaven help me I love every one of God's creatures except snakes I hate snakes because that happened to me she said I am so terrified of snakes and I she's like that's the one fear my whole life I could not get over and that's why you know she and, and we literally we gave up our lives for Jesus and for his message 
And I've had people, you know, ask me, would you ever, you know, do you love Jesus enough to give your life up for him? And I'm like, no, (laughs) but because I already had, I already did that. Been there, done that over. It wasn't so fricking fun, (laughs) but yeah, I mean, I have a deep and abiding love for uh, Yehoshua and I always will. And that's why he calls me little sister. Even though I was his cousin, he always called me little sister. And a couple of months went by and I remembered. Uh, in fact, I had read in um, a book that Grandma Marion had given me about Doriel. And we're going to go into that in Doriel in another episode for sure. But Doriel had told her that um, when he was traveling and he was in the Himalaya mountains and he went to Tibet, in his hands he held Jesus's original manuscripts where he was trying to write out his speeches and he was trying to work out like he'd cross off some words and then rewrite it. And the monks kept these scrolls that Jesus touched over 2,000 years ago. And Doriel held them in his hands. Doriel was Marion's teacher. And Marion told me this. And I was reading the manuscript that Doriel had given to her. And I was holding that in my hands about his story. And holy crap, I remember sitting in on the very hard ground in the hot sun there were a couple palm trees behind brother Yeshua and we were all in the sunlight but we knew in like 20 to 30 minutes the sun was going to shift and we were all going to be in the shade so we always sat there when when he was home we were all together and all the women would sit up front and the little kids would sit up front and Marion and I were kind of like young girls we were like 12 and 14 maybe and and I remember I remembered that he was saying uh you know oh god between faith and uh what is it now the quote faith and charity and love and the greatest of these is love the first time I heard him say those words, he looked me directly in the eyes, and I remember that he had uh, kind of a sandy brown hair, but he was always in the sunlight. He was always outside, and even though he was half white and half Arabic, you know, he had a real pretty color skin, and his eyes were green kind of blue green and I remember when he looked me in the eyes and I had that memory and it was like I remember I remember and he said the greatest of these is love and he looked into my eyes when he said the word love and his hair um, is portrayed in a lot of pictures as being blonde and he wasn't a blonde but because he was out in the sun so much his son is his skin was dark and his uh, hair was very blonde because it was bleached by the sun he wasn't born a blonde. His mom had dark hair. But um, 
be, you know, it's like, you know, how surfers are. They go out in the sun all the time, and sure enough, their hair turns blonde. <laughs> it gets very light. So, so years and years go by, and I think Grandma Marion might have, maybe she was still alive. So, after years and years after that, I'm going to tell you the rest of my snake related stuff. Then we'll just make this the snake episode. <laughs> I uh, developed some problems with my thyroid, and it was like the second or third time this had happened. And I had just ordered a book on healing. I'm a healer, and I'm always interested in learning new stuff. So I had just ordered a book, and it showed up in the mail when I had found out that my thyroid was shutting down. And they wanted to remove my thyroid and give me thyroid medication for the rest of my life. And they said, but you have to take it every day, or you'll die within a couple weeks. And I'm like, so... Let's just say for shits and giggles that my medicine runs out and we have a freak snowstorm, which happens in Paradise, California, or Megalia, where I was living. And we're snowed in for three weeks, can't get in or out. And because we live in the middle of nowhere, we had no police. It was an unincorporated area. You know, the snowblower would blow off the main road and ignore us. So we would literally be stuck for like three weeks at a time. I guess if that happens, what's going to happen? Oh, you're definitely going to die. I'm like, well, thanks, but no thanks. Thank you for practicing on me with your medical practice, doctor. (laughs) But forget it. I went home and I made an appointment with a naturopathic doctor about the same. It was the same week that this book arrived in the mail. And in the book, it said... There's this thing called lachesis mutis, which is a um, like a homeopathic type of remedy. So I went over to Chico, to the health food store, and I found it. And then I started looking it up. What is lachesis mutis? There's something about lachesis mutis, mutis or whatever. So I looked it up, and it turns out that it is a very, very watered-down version of the venom of a Bushmaster snake, which is one of the most deadly snakes in the world that lives in Ecuador, where I live now. Of course, at the time, I didn't know I was going to end up in Ecuador. So this has all come full circle with the snakes. So, all right. <laughs> um... I get the lachesis mutis and I'm taking it and I realize it's watered down snake venom, <laughs> extremely watered down, but the venom of the lachesis mutis cures thyroid. And I was told that if I kept on along the road after I went to the naturopathic, he even said, your organs are shutting down one at a time. We don't really know why. Um, We're going to put you on a special diet for two and a half years. You know, two to three years, basically. And we could control it with diet. If you carry on the path you're on and you don't follow this, you don't take the herbs and the things I recommend, um, you're probably going to develop cancer and you'll be dead in six months if all of your organs don't shut down first and if you don't die first from that. 
so at least he was in agreement with the other doctors, right? Uh... <laughs> so I meditated and I started taking the lachesis mutis and I started thinking about the snake that had uh, given itself given itself up, I guess, for me, or it was still alive probably. So I wanted to meditate and figure it out. So I meditated and I connected with the snake using the methods I've been talking about over the past few years or past few weeks on this show, on this podcast. And I connected with the snake and I said, why, what happened? And basically the stories, he was just crawling along in Ecuador, minding his own business when some scientists picked him up and moved him back to a lab in the United States and he was drained of his poison every month or so and they took good care of him and he got to be in the sunlight a little bit but he missed his jungle home or his you know his foresty home but um but I said well, well I wanted to thank you because you're saving my life and he said well it's only right that I should do so I'm like what do you mean he said, well, in a past life, in Egypt, I was the snake that killed you. It was my venom that killed you. And my karma was to be caught again. You know, I was caught and then I was used as a weapon, but now I was caught so that I could save your life this time. So it's it's come full circle, me and the snakes, and Grandma Marion. <laughs> you know, it's all come for full circle. I I I found her again, and I found my connection to Yeheshua, and the snake that, that delivered the uh, final blow to me back then is the snake that gave me back my life in this life. See, because nothing is ever lost in the universe, and God is always making certain of that. There, He's like the grand accountant, you know. All karmic debts are repaid. Don't you worry about anything. All karmic debts are repaid, whether they're from animals or humans or yourself. So that is my extremely powerful story of <laughs> my personal journey, at least one of my past lives and my past life with Grandma Marion and how meeting her in this life, finding her in this life just answered so many questions. You know, when I was 18, I, I rejected Christianity and I loved Jesus, but I rejected the whole thing. And I had a hard time, like, with myself over that. After the Lachesis Mutis um, homeopathic remedy healed me, and I was 100% good, I was struck by lightning the day after I gave myself to the One Will as a light worker. Which, I'm going to talk about that. That's what makes me a lightning shaman, so I will do that soon. I will talk about that soon. But when... That happened. I was having a crisis of faith in every possible realm. And Brother Heshwas came to me because I was going, I'm really upset because I feel like 
I love you more than life itself, but I'm not willing to give up myself for this religion. And he said, little sister, I'm not even a Christian and I never was. That's something that started long after I, I passed from this world. And I'm like, okay. And he said, and the other thing is you don't have to give your life for me because you already did. And I love you. And it's not required. It's not a requirement. But you did accrue some good karma from it. And that's why your life has been saved. And that's why all of this stuff has been accounted for now. Now you're going to go out into the world and do good works. Like, yeah, absolutely. So that is <laughs> my grandma Marion's story for this week. I was trying to count up the Grandma Marion stories. I think I have, I'm looking at my notebook here. I have five or six left. So we have five or six weeks left of Grandma Marion stories, Reverend Marion Jones stories. I hope you're enjoying them. Every Saturday we're going to do it until we run out of stories. And some of the stories are really tiny. So it'll be like at the end, like for five minutes, you know, some of the stories are not intense but this was a good one right I hope you guys liked it but for now <laughs> until tomorrow I am signing off with peace and joy and the high vibes of the holy fifth dimension until next time Metaphysical Soul Speak is run on sponsors and listener support. This means listeners like you. If you are so inclined to support my efforts and my little podcast, please visit me at anchor.fm forward slash metaphysical and pledge an amount of your choosing today. Thank you.